Hello guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums. Are you really just going to copy everything I'm saying? Yes! <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums, a podcast surrounding real single mummy lives. So, here's your host, me, Khalifa. your stories and uh, I started following you yes. because I really like uh, you're very consistent you you put up a lot of stories and it's nice to see a single parent doing a lot of activities and uh, I get to see a lot of you and your son doing <laughs> yes. all kind of stuff <laughs> so and then uh, I think we messaged each other and then you sent me an email to fill up some questions you yes, know yes. Uh, for some upcoming book or something and then yes. I gave that to you how we stayed in touch then after that yeah so please tell us a bit about your page as well um so my page is uh basically about uh helping parents to uh change a little bit of their mindset mm-hmm. you know uh especially in places like india um uh, you know i have moved back here from dubai last year around uh, the pandemic time because i lost job there and uh, I had to settle down again over here after 15 years. So I was in Dubai for 15 years. So it so happened that I got into media, into marketing, uh, social media marketing and all that. And that become like, it became like my full-time work and profession. Initially, I started with freelancing uh, last year and did some courses along the way, learned a lot you know, from online courses and a lot of other people who are doing great in the content writing area. And uh, I just thought of developing, uh, I wanted to do something meaningful on Instagram. I didn't want to just, you know, put up something like I'm dancing on a particular viral uh, sort of a song or music. I, I don't, I'm not against it. It's, it's nice, you know, it's, it sort of gives you a little break from the monotony. But I just wanted to put in something meaningful there, which will help people. And along the way, I thought even I would learn about so many people because I'm really fascinated by stories. And so is my daughter. Mm-hmm. We love to hear stories. We love to see, read stories and watch it even in movies and all. And we don't forget. So, yeah, just so I started writing about solo parenting specifically um, to help other solo parents. There were certain gaps that even I sort of figured uh, when it came to telling people what they should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had to be elaborated, broken down into small pieces. So I first started, started writing blogs and I write blogs on Medium. I put them up like on and off. And then I used to uh, break them down into shorter pieces for Instagram um, audiences. So that's, that's like about my page, telling about children's behaviors, manners, how you can be friends with them, how you can develop strong bonding with them, how you can make them learn little things like when to use the magical words, yeah, uh, a lot of other stuff as well, and how to maintain your own self care because that's become more important, I think yeah, today. Yeah, and how have you found being a, a, a single parent? I'm sorry. How have you found being a single parent? Um, I, I, I don't know. We had some issues in our um, um, uh, marriage, and then after that, whatever happened, uh, you know, it's just that we, my, my spouse and I didn't weren't very compatible is what I really felt and I did not see it as a long-term relationship I did not see I couldn't foresee suddenly we being happy together all our life and it would have had an impact on my daughter and um, 
I really wanted a certain type or a style of upbringing that I wanted to give her. And I didn't see we agreeing on that in the present, future, you know, any, any time. So we just decided to part ways. And uh, when I started the journey, it was, of course, difficult. It's not easy to go from dual parent to a single parent. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it because the challenges are making me even more stronger. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I do feel that I'm myself, uh, I'm having some self-doubts. But when I do the thing that I have decided to do and I think is right, then I really outshine, you know. That's so but did that you makes face, me feel good. Did you face any sort of stigma? Because I know that me being um, a black single mother over the, here in the UK, I kind of faced some stigma in regards to like, being stereotypical so there are a lot of things that I had to fight back against because obviously I've got a law degree I've got a master's so I, I used to I used to tell people that um I'm a single mom but I've got a b and c so over um on your side did you ever face any sort of stigma towards you being a single parent and how did you overcome it if you did uh it's very interesting part of my story that uh I was well aware of the the stigma and I was always aware that divorce is still a taboo in India and the numbers that are shown on um, the search engines not to name just you know or blame one but just overall generally um, they're wrong numbers they're definitely wrong numbers they oh. show a very little I mean they're literally showing three percent of or four percent of Indian uh, women are only uh, there are divorce cases today which is wrong because if you talk about three to four percent among you know millions of people in a country, there are ten that I know, you know I can count on fingers. Wow. So the numbers are inaccurate. The numbers are not correct. Okay, and I was very surprised to see that. So, anyways, I was living in Dubai. Of course, there's a lot of uh, expats there, many many nationalities. I think sixty five plus nationalities living in Dubai, and uh, many of them are Indians. And I have a lot of relatives there and friends and all. But uh, I have uh, made very good friends in life. That's one thing. So I was warned by one or two very genuine friends, you know, who didn't who really cared deeply about me. And they have better experience in life than me. So they really suggested, you know, it's best for you, for your mental peace, um, to um, just cut off from certain people whom you think are gossip mongers who are not going to support and who are only going to add to the misery in some way by because of those stigmas you know and they are going to give unsolicited advice people mm -hmm. tend to do that all the time so um, I was warned and sort of protected mm -hmm. so I tried to do that I avoided it and the main reason that I started to cut off with a lot of my uh, friends many of them were genuine also but it's just that I tried to avoid meeting a lot of people because uh, it's it's inevitable that they will not talk about it. It's it's you cannot stop that. They will definitely ask you about it, or no matter how much you avoid or you try to avoid. Yeah. So my reason was that I don't want to be repeating the same story. It's like the number of times you say something is the equal number of times you listen to it. Yeah. And the same number of times the signal goes to your brain. Yeah. And even if you are standing strong today and tomorrow you go on repeating that story, that strength would come down. Yeah. That's right? True. It would bring you down. It would bring it would make you feel exhausted. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't want to uh, get there. So I said, 
I knew that my well-wishers, they'll always be there for me. I can call them at the middle of the night after four years also. And I'm sure they'll talk to me because they know me as a person so closely. And that happened. So the stigma part, I faced a little bit of it uh, in office and all that, but it wasn't really that much. And if I was in India, if I were to be in India around that time when I was getting separated, then the picture would have totally, would have been totally different. Absolutely different. Why? Because here the family, family gathers and they would try and talk about uh, what about our reputation? What about our social image amongst people? They would start talking, oh, your daughter has gone single, you know, and uh, what happened? And they would ask about the reasons. Although the daughter or, you know, the girl is not in the wrong. She has not really done anything wrong. She tried to give 100% in the marriage, but she's not happy today for yeah. whatever reason, ABC. Could be domestic violence, could be they're not really compatible. Suddenly they feel that because there's a concept of arranged marriage in India. Yeah. Right. So you don't really get to know a person until you stay with the person. Yeah. And that's not a taboo here. That is why it is still a taboo here. And there's a lot of stigma. Because I've spoken to um, two other women from, from um, India, um, and they were both single mothers. One was a doctor, um, another one, she um, owned her own business. And she said to me that there was a lot of stigma that she faced, especially with family, even though families knew that maybe she was in a domestic violence relationship. They still said to her, like you just mentioned about family image. And then she said that she just had to protect her own mental health. And she said she found it difficult as well, even trying to rent a property because they would ask her like, okay, so where's your husband and she will say no it's just for me and my my daughter so she even down to trying to find a school for her child as well there was also stigma that she faced there so that's why I, I asked you in regards to the stigma that you, you faced and how your family took it because I know that over here in the diaspora we kind of we can, yeah, we, we, we don't have as much family pressure and as many eyes are on us um, as as there is in, in like India or in Nigeria, for example, because I'm, I'm Nigerian and I find that like when I told my dad that I was having a child and um, when I called him up, he said to me, okay, so when are you getting married? Like he couldn't fathom <laughs> the fact that I was pregnant out of wedlock. He's like, okay, you're pregnant. So when are you getting married? I was like, I'm not getting married, dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's great yeah but uh, it, there is a lot of stigma here but it's at different levels yeah. so if we have every city every state has sort of uh, two sides two corners or two ends one is the suburbs suburbs are a little more conservative and even to a level of being orthodox you know i don't know if that term is still used today but there are uh, places like that and there are places like town areas where uh, uh, people are a little more open-minded and they're like, okay, we tried hard to patch you up, but if the problem is that big or that serious, uh, we are okay to get you separated, you know? So but that, that's the thing. That's yeah. And I really love your page because um, one of the, on the first line, um, you say that on a mission to help parents change their mindset and ideally even you living in your truth being a single mother um you're changing other people's mindsets and the fact that you're thriving as well and you want to even help other people is is so is so magnificent so how have you found helping people um change their mindset about parenting because um I, one of your posts you say that you parents should have more fun with their kids and 
I am very, very guilty of this, that I'm just, um, after I pick up my son from school and I make food and um, maybe he would watch television, I'll say have a bath. It's kind of like you just, you're, you're having a routine constantly. You never really take that five minutes that or, or 10 minutes of a day that you suggest in your in your uh, on your page just to even play like we're not even taught how to even play with our children we're just taught how to parent just go 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 yeah i know so yes yeah, so basically we are all caught up in routine we are so caught up in routine and secondly uh, what bothers me today uh, because this is also one of the reasons i wanted to help people genuinely uh, see, I can write about tons of things. I can write about social media marketing. I can write about media. I can write about n number of topics. But why did I choose something to help people? Because I didn't want to overload them with content. There is a content overload today. Okay, uh, probably because of pandemic, it has increased a lot. So uh, the thing is, when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to fun, we want to take time out. Our mindset is that you want to sit down with your child to spend that time. Mm -hmm. I would ask you one question, Khalifa, and even all other single parents. Tell me something. If what, How do you define fun? And if you really had to do uh, some fun activity or if you had to just have fun, what can you do without doing much? Mm. Um we oftentimes will play cards my son loves lego but i it's just the energy like you're just so tired from work tired from cooking so i'm guilty yeah. of um I'm, I'm i am guilty of it and i have recognized that sometimes my son would say my name like six times sometimes before i get there to, before i i actually acknowledge that he's calling me and say mom 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 yeah i'm like what is it you know he said because and i asked him why do you say my name so many times josiah he said because you never listen to me so that's when i recognize that like i'm so in awe with the phone with the laptop that yeah like even down to doing things for him i, I found difficult but i'm i'm making a conscious effort like you you put up in the post to try and do what he wants and to try and if you want to play cards, play cards. If you want to play with Legos, if you want to go on TikTok and show me a video, even if I might think to myself, what is this? Just to, to acknowledge him and to make, to, to be present. Yeah. Sometimes we're not present. I understand that. That, that's, that is still faced by me as well. So for example, if you tell me right now, okay, uh, to do something fun, you know, I would just, uh, after the video call or after our, our podcast, I would just put on my favorite music or if I, I would put on some music and probably just start dancing. And uh, I don't care if someone is looking, not looking, but I want to have fun. So I would just start doing that. How much of an effort is that? Just put on your music and start dancing. And even if you don't want to dance, just, mm, and then you go and do something, cook something, you know, for yourself as simple as mashed potatoes or, or peanut butter bread, do that and sit down on a couch and just have fun. That's fun. Mm -hmm. That's relaxation plus fun. So what I'm saying is when, uh, when I talk about fun with children, I am not suggesting any parent to take time out from the routine and sit separately to have that fun uh, activity. I am telling you guys to have fun moments. I'll give you a small example. So when I was in Dubai and I was uh, before leaving, you know, I was quite uh, stressed because I had lost job and I tried for three, four months, another three, four months to stay there and look for a job there uh, because I love that country, you know. So, um, but it's okay, it didn't happen. 
just when we were packing up uh, two days before for leaving to, uh, for India, what my daughter did, she went to the shower, she came out. And after a couple of hours, uh, when I had to go and clean up myself, I see that the body wash bottle, you know, the body wash bottle, uh, it did not have that uh, press button thing. It had to be open, opened up. You know, the bottle had to be opened up. And I see that it is half filled with water. So it's like the soap and water are mixed. That means the bottle that was almost full, half of the soap has either fallen down or dropped down for some reason. Something has been done. Something has gone wrong. So uh, ideally, during that time, a single parent going to a lot of stuff and stress and all that. And I also felt it. I felt a little bit of anger on my daughter. But what I did, I, I just waited for her to come back from, uh, that was probably her last day of school as well. She came back from the school. I just took her to the washroom, I mean, to the bathroom. And I asked her, what exactly happened with this bottle? Of course, she thought that she's going to get some kind of uh, scolding from me. But I just asked her normally, I want you to tell me what you have done. And I asked her in a very childish way and, you know, keeping my hand here on my waist, what exactly have you done? And then she said, uh, Mama, sorry, the soap fell from me. And then I filled it up with water to make it look like, you know, the soap is still there. <laughs> and I started laughing and seeing me laughing, she started laughing. So what I'm trying to say, it's a fun moment you don't necessarily have to sit down for half an hour every day or you know one hour every day and have some fun moment with the child they don't need it every day all they need is they want to be heard okay and we as parents want to observe them we want to observe and notice changes in them and we want to we we must absorb what is to be absorbed and understood and we must know when we have to bring a change in them. We must know when we have to make them look better, do better, feel better. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. So when you do such things, you can find out certain small moments when they have actually goofed up. But when you sit down with them later on, after hours or a couple of days, you can explain to them, see, if this happened next time, just come and tell me. You don't need to fill water. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can tell mama anything under the sun, anything at all. Mm. And you don't need to use the word friends. I mean, we should not use this word a lot of times that I want to be your friend. You've yeah. got to show it. You've got to represent it. You've got to make them feel that you are their friend. Then That's you will not feel the need to say it again and again. That bit, you know, kiddo, I'm trying to be your friend. You don't have to say that. You have to show it. You're so right. And I um, I have learned how to parent differently myself because I know when I was growing up and I would do something wrong or if my parents would do something wrong, they never were able to apologize because they were just this strong African parents. And that's something I said that if I made a mistake, I would apologize to my child. Or if I snapped or if I'm tired, I, I acknowledge my emotions. And I've noticed that right. with him, when I've apologized for my attitude or something that I've that I've done that I isn't right he doesn't even need to be prompted my son like he would if he's if he's given me any attitude or if something has happened and he hasn't listened he would come to me and say oh mom um, I'm very sorry about this this and that because I've modeled that to him and I wish more parents would would just do that like if whatever you lacked growing up was for a reason yeah. for a lesson for you to do better with your own children 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what does self-care mean to you? And what advice would you give to more to mums that are really busy? Like we're juggling so many balls. Um, okay. See, first of all, the word, the phrase or the term self-care um, is very self-explanatory, right, Khalifa? Yeah. The thing is, we know we have to first take care of ourselves, just like they say, you know, before helping anyone else, else uh, uh, you know, in an aircraft, first put on the uh, masks and, you know, the jacket for your, the life jacket to yourself so that you can save others. Because if, when you are safe, you can help others around you. So it's very simple concept. I don't know why uh, uh, there is a lot of technicalities added to this term and there's a lot of, it, it's being made look very heavy. Yeah. It's being made look very heavy these days. It's very simple. Just, I would not suggest you to do yoga, meditation, um, or any sort of uh, one hour heavy workout or anything. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to yourself. When you are working, you pay attention. When you are instructing your child, you pay attention giving while giving instructions. Yeah. When you, if you are on a managerial post, you would delegate your work appropriately and you would pay attention that the smallest of the things or the details are taken care of, right? So just sit down, like I've mentioned in my first blog as well. Sit down for 10 minutes in the morning, take a cup of coffee, tea, anything that you like, any beverage, sit beside your window, and have those 10 minutes of time with yourself. Mm. That's it. You, your, the thoughts don't stop in the entire day. Your thoughts go on like 24 by 7. Even when you're sleeping, I think some of the research says when you're sleeping, your thoughts continue. They don't stop. Wow. Right? So um, just sit down, give yourself that time. And when you practice this every day, day by day, you would see that the purification of your own mind and body is happening after a month. Mm. I can I can guarantee you that because that has worked with me. Yeah. And those thoughts, you have to try to put them into uh, boxes. Like if negative thoughts, put it in one negative box. Positive thoughts, put it in positive box. See how the positive box can help uh, reduce the size of the negative box dividing. Yeah, because I, I did you know, like sort of, yeah, yeah, and I saw it on your page. So that, that yeah, I, I've mentioned that. So just try to do that and don't like, you know, take everything to heart. If anyone says anything to you, whether it's because of stigma or because of that person's perception, everything in this world, except for science and math that can be really measured, is a, is a perception. Politics is also a perception right although it is written in books although history backs it up it is still a perception so you may have your own perception or 10 different perceptions about one thing one broad topic don't get too bothered about what anyone says i am not saying give that person an attitude in return i'm not trying trying to tell you to be rude to anyone i'm not trying to tell you that okay don't care about it but care only to a certain limit that helps you become a better person yes yeah does not harm you yeah yeah so it's like the other person would stay and walk off but it's left with you so that means you've accepted it don't accept it yeah 
you you have right. to just let it go over your head because um I know it's a bit vulgar, but a lot I've heard a lot of people say like opinions. Everyone opinions are like air holes. Everyone's got one, you know, and someone's always got an opinion or on your life, but you have to live your own truth. So um on your page you do talk about the self care habits that um are really good. You, you say that think about what matters to you, like you suggested. Pray with gratitude um every day for five minutes be kind to yourself more often, exercise regularly, and maintain a journal. Um, I, I, I realized um, that journaling is such a magnificent tool to have. I spoke to a lady yesterday, she's got her own single mother journal. And I was telling her that when I was pregnant, um, I was journaling a lot. And um, I just forgot about it. Now that my son's 10 years old and I was cleaning the loft, I saw all my journals and just the mindset that I had then in comparison to now, you just see your growth. And it's such a wonderful tool that I think everyone should do. I'm such a big journal advocate. So do you journal or what other um, things do you do for yourself as well as self-care? See, uh, Khalifa, again, the, the, the thing comes back to uh, everything boils down uh, when we talk about such things, important concepts and beliefs and, uh, you know, activities. Yeah. Uh, it all comes down to consistency. Yeah. So if you listen, if someone listens to a podcast like ours, if I uh, tell you, yes, I do believe in journaling and I do it myself, you know, and I would give you 10 reasons that why I, I journal and why other people should journal. These are the reasons. One, two, three, four, ten. Right. But the thing is, if you are if you know that your routine is so busy and uh, there's already a content overload that I told you that really bothers me, you know, about uh, I feel bad for people who are not able to understand when to read what and how much to take in and how much to absorb and how much to shred off. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, I would say I don't maintain a full-time journal. So I don't have a dedicated journal book or something, but I have like two, three, uh, one diary where I write poems. That is like if a thought comes to my mind and I can convert it into a poetry, I would write that down. Yeah. Okay, I'm a poetry writer since many years. Uh, I started in school. And um, then I have another two books. One is a common book for my little bit of work stuff to be written as well, and also certain thoughts. And then there's a small notepad as well. And then I have my mobile. So I don't have, uh, because I know that at some point, today I will start with excitement. But at some point, after 15 days, 20 days or a month, I would stop doing that. So instead of doing this start stop, which doesn't help you in any way, just whenever a thought comes to your mind, have a book or something around or have your mobile. When you have your mobile with you, just note down in your notes. What are your thoughts um, uh, currently what thoughts are going on in your mind what are you thinking about yeah and sometimes brilliant of ideas strike you like at 1 a.m are you gonna just go to your journal and look for that perfect neatly done page and that particular red pen you know <laughs> and then you start writing i don't think we can do that and we are see why do we have a concept of single parents because it's it's a great deal to be handling everything single-handed where you once had support of not only your spouse. Let's pay attention here. It was not only the spouse, the family, the friends, the relatives associated with your spouse. Always everyone is involved in your child's upbringing. It's not just you. 
Yeah. And that all is suddenly taken off and you know that you cannot overburden your own parents with many responsibilities. So you're you're already overwhelmed. Why do you want to overwhelm yourself even more? Yeah, you're right. You're right. So um how do you so, set how do you set um a good foundation um or, or model good behavior for your children when you're stressed out and and you've got burnout. How do you how do you model that? Uh, thankfully, I'm I'm blessed with a very understanding daughter. <laughs> but yes, I would give some credit to myself and uh, my uh, nanny, my daughter's nanny. Uh, she was with you for six with us for six years, wow. and uh, she was from Ethiopia, by the way. Yeah, and we we loved her dearly. We still love her. My daughter still remembers her. And uh, she was with us in Dubai as well. So she understood what kind of upbringing I, I have in mind for my child. I don't care what my daughter wants to become. She wants to become a doctor, engineer, not become a doctor, engineer, not do anything, just take up a nine to five job, administration, HR, anything. I don't care what she wants to be. I'd leave it to her, what she is interested in. But there are very two important things that she knows since she was two years old. I started telling her when she could actually understand, you know, long sentences, you know, I started telling her two very important things in life, discipline and your mannerisms. Mm. Discipline has to be there. There is no compromise on discipline. There's no compromise in mannerisms, period. Yeah. That's very clear. She knows that. It's awesome. Right. Yeah, that is that's awesome. So do you do you explain to her why discipline is so important? Or do you think, yeah, how can we as parents then explain to our kids why they need to to be disciplined as a life skill? Um see when when you do certain things, for example, if you're doing your office work or like right now you and I are talking, right? So now my daughter is 10, 10 years old, and uh, sometimes the kids always need repetition, you know, of instructions of certain basic rules and, you know, ground rules and all that. So um, if they happen to forget that at some point, now that she's 10 years old, she is past that age when I sit down and I become hard on her or I tell her very, you know, sternly that you're not supposed to do this. I have told you a hundred times or a zillion times. No, you just got to show her. So when I sit for a meeting, I would tell her, I'm sitting for a meeting. I will take so-and-so time during the meeting, unless there is something urgent, please do not interrupt, okay? Even if I'm talking over the phone and even if it's a casual talk, if you wanna interrupt, or if I'm talking to someone face-to-face, -face, you wanna interrupt, not an issue. I need to see manners when you interrupt. You've got to use the word, excuse me. She would not use the word excuse me a couple of times after I taught her this when she was five to six years old. I did not pay attention to her. I, I could hear her, you know, mm -hmm. I could listen to her, but I did not look at her. And the fourth time she called my name, I did not listen to her. She understood that she is not used the word excuse me. And the fifth time she used the word excuse me, mama. The moment she said that, no matter how important my conversation is, I would first turn my head to her and say, tell her, yes, my love, tell me. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's right? So these small things, when you start off at a little age, it really helps. Yeah. 
yeah. So we be discipline is very important because it goes a long way. Like if I talk, continue talking now. You are continuously listening to me. That's discipline. When you talk, I stop and listen to you. That's discipline. Yeah. And I, I think that oftentimes kids need to, yeah, they need to learn lessons in a in, in a hard way, and they need you need to model. Um, yeah, good behavior and model discipline to them. Um, I've shared this. I've shared this before on my podcast that because I've got um, a, a boy, sometimes he would go inside the bathroom um, to have a shower and he wouldn't take his towel. Yeah. So then that means that I'm downstairs and he's had a bath and then I'm hearing, "Mom, Mom, um, could you come and bring me my towel, please?" So I did it the first time. I said, "Listen, make sure you next time you go inside the bathroom, you you take your towel." The next day, same thing. Mom, mom, can you bring my towel, please? So I, I said, okay, cool. I'm going to do it the second time. At the third time he called me, I, I I, went upstairs and I said, come out the bathroom now. So he was like, well, I'm naked. I said, come out the bathroom now. And then I went inside my room. Although he said, he said to me that I tortured him. So I went, he, <laughs> I said, come inside my room. And I put on the fan. Yeah. And he was like, oh, mom, please, what? I said, listen, I am not, I'm not your house girl. Yeah. When you go inside the bathroom, make sure you're fully equipped. That's the last time he has called me <laughs> to pick up to, to pick up his towel for him. This is exactly what happened with me and my daughter. Exactly the same episode. And I warned her the next time. I told her, now, next time, if your towel is not with you in the, in the bathroom, you've got to come out the way you are. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like... No, it's so funny okay. that we so you set boundaries you know you set the limits yeah, yeah you set the limits yeah yeah so what why is perfect parenting a myth and why do you think that um especially it's being single moms as well that we want to be that you know perfect parent when in actual fact if everyone was perfect then we wouldn't necessarily need so many tools and blogs and podcasts and and we wouldn't even need therapy so why do we all aspire to try and be this quote-unquote perfect mother i think it's a bit exaggerated and uh, a bit overrated because i think we all are perfect in our own ways mm. khalifa you are trying to do your best you are doing everything that you can for your son is your son deprived of anything uh you know that he needs right now at this age is he deprived of it no i think we even overcompensate as parents so how do how do you define perfect then? Yeah. How do you define perfect? That is your perfect. That is Khalifa's perfect. Yeah. I am trying to do the best for my daughter. Children are going to be children. They are going to be demanding directly or indirectly. They would say it vocally. You know, they would be vocal about it. They would not be vocal about it. We got to sometimes read, observe them. But that is all part of duties. Yeah. When it comes to giving your child, what exactly is your child deprived of? Just think about it. Nothing. Nothing. At you all. don't even have to compare with your own childhood because you would say, ah, oh, if I compare it with my childhood, I am doing way better. I'm not saying do that. Don't do that. That's a wrong thing to do. Wow. Because your times were different. It was a different generation altogether. Your parents were from a different generation. You were from a different generation. Mm. There is hardly any similarities today in the way we educate children. We talk to children, the way they play, the way they talk, the way 
they make friends or break friendships. It's entirely different. So don't compare. But when you are standing today, as you are where you are, just ask yourself, what is my child deprived of? Nothing. If they say they don't have enough toys, that's not being deprived. I don't call that being deprived. Mm. That's never going to be enough. Yeah, but you know when you did say, you, you just mentioned about um, you can't compare. I think I am guilty of comparing my childhood to my son's childhood. And I think that I am guilty of trying to overcompensate. And I'll give you this example. And I've mentioned it on the, on the podcast um, myself that when I was much younger because we lived in the UK we weren't um, we came um, as illegal immigrants so we didn't really get to we, it took us a very long time before we became citizens so when I was a child I wasn't I wasn't um, I never traveled so I said that when I had my own child I would make sure that we traveled every year so we've been to Dubai we've been to New York and I remember for my son's I think fifth birthday we went to Spain and we went to this place called Porto Ventura and it's a big um theme park and then I bought I spent so much money on like the the, the hotel the theme park and so many things just to try and make sure that my son managed to go on holiday because I was lacking that in my own childhood and um on the first day we went to the theme park, he had a good time. The second day, um, we had the theme park tickets and he said to me, mommy, I don't want to go to the theme park. I was like, but it's your birthday. Why don't you? He said, all I want to do is just play with sand. That's all he wanted was just to go to the beach and play with sand. And then I was looking at this like 200 pound ticket and my child just wanted to play with sand. And it just made exactly. me think of how simple, how, what the little things that your child actually wants just to be happy. And we as parents are the ones that are just saying, no, no, have this and have that and have this and have that. And all they need is just time and love. So I am guilty, something that I am working on for myself. <laughs> no, this, this, this reminds me of something that people say a lot in India. I don't know about other countries. Probably yeah. you can tell me what people say about it in London or in uh, Nigeria. Yes. Uh, they talk a lot about generation. They would just pass a comment without thinking too much about it. Uh, uh, yeah, today's generation is very demanding. They want everything. They want this. They want latest iPads. And they want... I'm, I've literally had an, uh, you know, sort of not really argument, but a healthy discussion with someone. I said, tell me something. If you had gadgets at your time, if you had Apple at that time, you know, when we had uh, began with Nokia phones and then mm. we had Blackberry messengers and all that, if you had this facility at that time and you were a kid, you would have behaved the same way. Yes. Wouldn't you? So yeah. stop blaming the generations. And they ask you something for a specific purpose. Check, cross-check with them. Sit down and have a talk, quick two-minute talk. Okay, why exactly do you want a new iPad? You have the old one working fine. And then the person, you know, the kid would say, because my friend has it, that's not a valid reason. Mm. I, I'm, I'm fed up of living in the same house. It feels like monotony in the same house, you know, looking at the same walls. Do you think I should go ahead and buy a new house? Give them examples. Give them real-life examples. Yeah. And just don't talk about generations. You know, you, you would have done the same thing, <laughs> really. <laughs> so that's it. You know, they are not too demanding. I don't, I don't feel that. We just got to figure it out that what is the right demand and what is not and how to explain to them what is right and wrong. Simple.
Yeah, I wanted to ask you um, about the, you had a post about trust. Um, I wanted to find out how do you win trust of your child, um, especially when trust is gone. Because I, I, I'm going to give another example of my own personal personal life. I didn't realize that um, sometimes I, I, when I would go on play dates with other parents, I would overshare. You know, there were certain times about my son will be present and I'll be talking, and I'll say, "Oh yeah," and um, Josiah did this yesterday. Um, oh, is your child washing the plates? You know, whilst he was standing, whilst he was standing there, but I didn't realize that he was. Um, he, he, yeah, he was, he was, the, what I was saying about him was actually upsetting him. So it wasn't until the time when we were driving and he said, mommy, I don't know when you talk about me to people, you know? And I said, what are you talking about? He said that whenever I'm there, I'm there, I'm, you're, you're telling people what I do, you know? So I didn't realize that I was breaking the trust of, of my son in regards to disclosing. It, to me, it was innocent because you just speak to other parents. But I didn't realize I was breaking the trust on, and the bond that we had. And I said to him, do you know what? I didn't realize that it was upsetting you. I, I'm not going to share as much. And even if I am going to share, I'm going to cross-check it with you. Like, okay, mommy say so-and-so. Are you comfortable with it? You know. So how do you um, recognize um, trust is broken number one and also build trust and why is trust even so important to have between you and your child um the answer to that Khalifa is somewhere uh, in your situation itself so uh, for example if um, with my daughter's tuition tutor you know tuition teacher I have given her clear instructions that when I pick come and pick my daughter and if you want to talk about her um let's not talk ill of her that she's not paying attention or this and on a lot in front of her. Let her go home. I'll drop her. I'll call you or I'll come back and we'll talk about it. So I don't necessarily talk uh, about my daughter when she is around yeah. to someone else. Within the family, it's okay. You know, I would sometimes just tell my mom pampers her, her a lot, which is obvious, you know, so I tend to tell her that I have to scold her a lot and you have a problem with me scolding her a lot because you are not doing that even a little bit. You know, when you have a chance, you do it, mm. you know, and then she would have trust that what mama is doing or what mama said last time is the exact same thing that granny is saying and mama and granny haven't talked about it, right? So one is, you know, keeping, a, keeping the control of the situation, okay? And another thing is, you uh, got to set an example. They got to look up to us. So how do they look up to us? When they see your friends and your friends' children coming and playing with them, you all having fun together, you all talking fun stuff, you know, eating the same food. And um, I'm in terms of helping your child in certain things. And always telling your child that, look, um, no matter what, I'm your mother. I will always find out whether you have done something right or wrong. Okay. So uh, come and talk to us about it, whatever it is, and protect your child. The third point is protect your child. When you see that someone is being nasty with your kid, then you protect your kid in front of her at that time. Yeah. The child will trust, oh, okay, she will always stand by me if something goes wrong with me. Like I have explained to uh, my daughter already about uh, misbehavior of certain people, uncomfortable touch, you know, all this sensitive stuff. 
you know, she knows about it. So time and again, I keep asking her, everything's okay, because now she is allowed to go and play with her friends without me watching her a little bit. You know, we have sort of little play area in, within our mm -hmm. uh, compound in the building. So she can go and play. So I keep asking her on and off. And uh, she has seen me protect her even from her friends trying to embarrass her. Mm -hmm. so I've literally told her friends also. I mean, see, she did wrong. And she's got the uh, scolding for that already. She's got her lesson. You don't have to bring it up again. You don't have to embarrass your friend. Yeah. But talking so she saw me protecting her. So yeah. this, this instills trust. This brings trust into the picture. Yeah. Uh, she'll be there to protect me if I did anything wrong. Yeah, but talking about the, the touch, um, it's, 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 it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I, I, I worked for social services for four years. So um, I've seen, you don't even want to know the things that I've seen working with, with social services. And it's funny that a lot of times the kids that have been molested, for example, because I tell my son, no one's meant to touch your private parts. You know, even when you go Absolutely. to someone's house, if anything happens, tell me I don't care who it is I don't care if it's your grandparents I don't care if it's mommy's brother I don't care who it is tell me if you if someone does anything that makes you feel uncomfortable tell me and then we'll tell the authorities yeah I believe you first yeah so what what I found when I worked with social services that was that a lot of the times kids that were molested um the the perpetrators will tell them no one's going to believe you you know no one's going to believe what you say and it, it saddens me that a lot of the times that the children actually believe them that the, the fact that no one will believe no one will trust them enough to believe that a and b has happened so i think trust ultimately is something that every parent needs to pursue because if our kids don't trust us anything can happen absolutely absolutely yeah. and and i have had somehow I had some uh, sort of uh, such issues in childhood. I've myself faced it. Um, I would not like to go there because I'm over it. But the point is that uh, with my daughter, when I sat and explained to her, um, I, I try and uh, show her a demonstration or I try and show her uh, an animated video on it, you know, which we get easily over the net. Um, so I have explained that to her and I have told her categorically, that I ask her questions. I basically start interactions in the form of questions. So I ask her that if someone touched you and made you uncomfortable, who is uncomfortable? She said me. And I said, who is making you uncomfortable? Other person. So who do you think is the wrong, is in the wrong? And then she told me that other person. Yeah. I said, so there it is. Just come and tell me. Definitely. And I watched a film on Netflix, the Indian film called Mama. Um, it's about uh -huh. a, a, a woman, she's a teacher and her, her stepdaughter goes to a party and um, the stepdaughter is raped by four guys. Uh, um, that's uh, Ma. Just Ma, Ma, yeah, yeah. Ma, so apologies, oh, yeah. yeah. And she it. goes through that, she deals with those guys, like she yes. deals yes. with them. So yeah, when you mentioned what you just said, it just, it reminded me of that, that, that film was- Yeah, 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 brilliant movie actually. I, I cried yes. so much throughout it. I cried and I cried. It was such a good movie. Yeah. Uh, um, so you said that you're into um, 
um, blogging and um, network marketing and um, social media marketing. Yeah, so, social apologies, you said you're into social media marketing. So, um, talk, yeah. could you tell me a bit about that? Um, how you get your clients? How you maintain positive energy with them? Especially given that we've survived the pandemic. So, how have you found uh-huh. work in this crazy time? Okay. So, uh, as I told you, I had to move back from India uh, to Dubai. And prior to that, I got a you know, little bit of marketing experience. But mainly, I was into client uh, servicing and operations management uh, all through my career in uh, Dubai. Mainly client servicing. So, dealing with clients, understanding their problems, having the patience of a saint with them. <laughs> it's something that I have spent years in learning. So, uh, it, it comes very naturally to me now. So dealing with clients and their tantrums and their problems and, you know, uh, babysitting them sometimes, it's all okay with me, you know, unless someone doesn't disrespect me or, you know, hurts my integrity. Everything is all right, you know, and uh, there has to be, of course, a professional space uh, that we share. So that has to be maintained. So um, I'm, I'm happy doing this work. I enjoy my work a lot. I get clients through my references. Um, I have the habit of being in touch with the oldest of colleagues. I would just out of the blue message them, ask them how they are and how they're doing. If someone, if I got to know about someone's problem, they lost someone in the family or they lost job or something, I would message them, you know, sort of pacify them and tell them to let me know if I can help. And, you know, so I get work through references and uh, I also get work through LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been uh, one platform where I have been very active uh, professionally and I've made very good contacts. I've got good social media community uh, people there and uh, who are great content writers and developers. So yeah, I get work through them. Maintaining positivity at work and uh, dealing with clients. I think it's, you've got to understand your colleagues and you. So you are a team. That's how you should be uh, portraying or projecting in front of a client. So no matter what a client talks about your colleague, whether you really dislike that colleague to the core, you're not supposed to talk about that colleague to your client. Mm. In front of the client, you've got to have an image of a team. That's about it. Simple. And then, when you talk to a client and they have certain requirements, they have extra requirements or they are uh, disrespecting or something, extra requirements, that's fine. You've got to just you know, filter it out, whether we can manage to do it, not manage to do it. Are they really trying to suck you, you know, get the work out of you because they are paying you? You've got to have that experience you know, to observe it, to understand it, and then be very clear that this is what we can provide. Aside from this, um, even if you want to go beyond what we agreed on, it's okay. We can go to a certain limit, but beyond that limit, we cannot because you've got to maintain your work-life balance. We never forget that. That has to be on top of your head always. So maintaining that with the clients and being flexible at times when you can, which does not make you compromise a lot of your family time or your personal time. I think it's okay. That's how I manage it. That's magnificent. And where can people find you on social media if they want to have some support with their um, social media, um, some support with the, the help that you provide as well? 
um they can of course find me on instagram my uh, instagram account as you know is at the rate parenting with underscore miss marvel and uh, miss marvel by the way is the me the new me after i became a single parent Wow. So that's that's how I I and defi- I define a single parent. Marvel, of course, is a short form of marvelous. So any single parent uh, doing a great job, achieving anything that they want to, and maintaining all the balance that they need between their work, life, children, self care, they all are Miss Marvel. So Khalifa is Miss Marvel for me as well. Uh-huh. So that's how I I have named my page. I wanted to keep it unique, not just with my name. Mm-hmm. and uh, instagram they can find me there linkedin of course they can find me my name is harsha punjabi <laughs> as you know so yeah yeah and there these I, two places say thank you so much for coming on the happy single moms podcast yeah the information you've given is so amazing and yeah it's been very very refreshing i feel like you're you're very wise <laughs> you're very wise in how you, you portray the information that you deliver so thank you so so much and carry on being marvelous miss <laughs> marvel i definitely i'll i'll keep on trying to do that we don't have to lose that and i'm glad i'm uh, it's a pleasure it's an honor to be talking to you khalifa and it's wonderful to know you uh no a person like you oh thank you so much mm-hmm. a lot of love to your son as well thank and you. do take care thank you <laughs> i'm breaking your i'm not lose control when i get there